Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss the exciting science behind HRV and how you can apply it to your own health and the work that you do. Just a note, this podcast does not replace medical advice, and if you're going to apply this to your own life or others, please consult with a medical provider. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. This is uh, your friends, Jeff and Matt, back with you. Matt, how's it going? Well, Nuggets lost, Jeff, so... Uh, <laughs> That's right. Everybody we, we, was on we the edge of their seats. We called everybody a reality, so... Uh, uh, yeah. It's over. Uh, and then the we Lakers had a good run, out. so... The Lakers come out and destroy the heat in game one. This could be a quick, uh, quick path to a champion. Yeah, besides that, we still can't breathe in Denver. And, I know. Uh, even it's getting cooler, which usually means our fires start to disappear. But I think we need to hit terrain. Uh, I think the West Coast needs the terrain out there. And we need yeah, rain I was going to say. Maybe so. I mean, we're getting the time where if it's uh, raining in the mountains, it turns into snow. So, yep. yeah, I, we, we, need, are... we need a breath out here in the West, man. Yeah, but, uh, hearts and thoughts out to the folks, our friends on the West Coast that absolutely. are being displaced and yes. you know there's as, as bad as our fires have been here at least it's been really just wilderness and very yeah. little effect on homes and right businesses by. but i know that's a, a different story about west so i know it's so uh just yeah shout out you know just send our love to everybody and uh yeah it. it's uh been a, every night i've got this sore throat so it's uh i know yeah. exactly i hear you it's like, oh, uh, am I getting cut? Nope. It's just. <laughs> you already had that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go for a run. It's like, nope, can't do nope. that either. So Check the air quality. Yeah. Not, not healthy. I, I don't know if anybody's there. It's weird to go outside. I, I, was, I was out on a walk with the dogs. And we've had, we, we have beautiful sunsets over the mountains here in Denver. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, now they're getting like it's. I, I feel like I'm in a Star Wars movie. Like the sunrise is this beat red. Like mm -hmm. pr pretty if you're not like you know just look at it in isolation without. The exactly. If you didn't know why it was so red. Yeah, and our, our sunsets are like we're on a whole different planet here. So and it's just like, yep. yeah, we've all been breathing this crap and living with it for man months now. So that's right. Uh, yeah, we, we need to do the rain dances and the snow dances to mm -hmm. just give us all out here in the West some relief from this. But our, yeah, thoughts go out. I, I lived up in the mountains for a while and have been evacuated and know what a, what a terrible feeling it is to have to leave your house in five minutes, uh, especially when you have some dogs in tow. Yeah, so, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Yeah, on a positive note, it's... That's it. On a positive note, it's October, so we're officially... Uh, gonna be skiing again next month so that'll be nice yeah <laughs> if you can get a reservation anyway yeah exactly well we'll see how all that goes that's right well it'd be, we should it'd be weird if we had the great ski season in this crazy well you know that's what's gonna happen we'll have the biggest snow uh snowfall ever and only a subset of people will be able to take advantage due to covid exactly so uh this so anyway. is life in 2020 that's right. Exactly. That's right. Well, hey, I'm, I'm excited about the episode today. Yeah. Because uh, we're sort of taking HRV to a different place, um, you know, as we've sort of built upon the science and, and people understanding why it's so important. Um, you know, let's talk about how we apply it, not only just to our sort of individual lives and our, our, 
our habits and, and how they affect HRV, but, but actually the relationships that we have and, and how HRV impacts um, and, is, and is impacted by the quality of relationships we have with all the people we surround ourselves with. Yeah. So I think that's kind of something that, that people aren't talking about. You know, again, so much of HRV, HRV study and, and attention is around athletic training. Now, this is a very different concept, but equally yes. as interesting. So yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe let's start by you helping everybody understand and defining what, what co-regulation is. Because I think that's a, a key pillar to understand. And you mentioned it in the book. Talk a lot about it in the book. So yeah. Maybe we can start there. Yeah, and this really, you know, sort of backs up a, a couple different streams of research that you see. One, one it just kind of answers the question, why, why do we have therapists? Why do we have social workers? You know, well, why do we seem as human beings to need other people to help us uh, help our mental health uh, recover? Uh, and, and so there's this concept, uh, and I love the term of co-regulation, because we know one of the best ways to help uh, ourselves deal with stress and really help, you know, in the HRV arena, we've talked a lot about the, the uh, vagus nerve, we've talked about the neurobiology of all this, how do we help that really regulate itself so, so that we are in our, our social brain, our intellectual brain, our cognitive brain, and, you know, there, there's a variety of research to show the importance of relationships and so one of the things that we know is that if Jeff if you're stressed out uh, and I'm regulated that if I can stay sort of inside my window of tolerance and I can stay regulated and engaged with you then over time your nervous system will become regulated as well I like to think about metrodomes those things on pianos that keep a steady beat and one of the things that we know is that if we can keep, whether you're a therapist, whether you're a manager, whether you're a parent, if we can keep that steady beat, the people around us, people that we're communicating with, will start to kind of sync up. Um, there's great research in the social sciences that really see that behaviors, emotions, and emotional states are very contagious. Uh, I know this example doesn't work so well in the time of COVID, but you know, a lot of these social scientists will compare emotions and behaviors to viruses. And there's been amazing works done on social networks. There's, oh, and I'm forgetting the name of the community, but there's certain communities around the country. There's one I believe out east in Massachusetts and the name is escaping me, but they've been like really studying everything about this, this community and they can, they can watch, you know, everything from like sexually transmitted infections to uh, depression, to anxiety, um, to all these different sort of behaviors, smoking. Um, you know, I just, I just love our audience to reflect on. I'll, I'll give an example of mine and see if you can find one in your life is uh, about five or six years ago, my dad moved to, uh, he's been down there a little longer, but I went and visited him for the first time in uh, Arizona. And uh he played this game called pickleball and never heard of pickleball before. My dad was really excited to teach me pickleball. Uh, I played pickleball and I fell in love with pickleball. Uh, if you never played pickleball, it's a really easy game to get fairly good at, at least good enough to slam the ball and relieve a lot of stress. And, and then, you know, I bring pickleball back and, you know, Jeff, I know you played pickleball with me a few times. Uh, yeah, I, got, I got another friend named Jeff. He's addicted to it. Like I thought I was like hooked. This, this dude plays every day. 
you know, and so, you know, if you, you don't have a behavior in your social network system, and then a friend goes to Arizona, hangs out with his dad as retirement community and comes back with this fun game, the chance that you pick up that behavior will increase greatly as well. So, you know, we see that these behaviors, these emotions are contagious. And so when we have someone who's regulated, and I know Jeff, you're doing this with your young kids, you know, they'll get upset. <laughs> Sometimes since I'm on Zoom calls with you about every day, I'll hear one of them going on in the background being a kid. And yep. if you know, the kid gets dysregulated all the time, but we do too, especially under high stress. That's but it. if we're lucky enough to have someone who's steady in our life, that we know if they'll, they're able to listen to uh, our own struggles, our stress, um, our anxiety about what's going on, it gets us regulated as well. So, you know, in the therapy world, we think a lot about this because the last thing you want to go in is to a dysregulated therapist. That does you no good. You also don't want a dysregulated teacher. You don't want a dysregulated uh, physician. You don't want a dysregulated parent. Um, don't want a dysregulated or burned out manager or leader. Don't want a dysregulated president. And I will drop that at that. You don't <laughs> want, sorry. Uh, by the way, just for the timestamp, the debates were a couple nights ago. So uh, we're always on a little bit of delay with this podcast. But uh, if you want to see dysregulation, just watch the presidential debate. Uh, so, so, you know, we know that when we have this steady person, it gives us that sense of psychological safety. So what your kids are doing is, oh my God, whatever the, my dress got stained or, you know, I fell on my face mm -hmm. or I ran into a wall or I pooped myself. Well, whatever's check, going check, on with check. your kid, it dysregulates them. But then I know mom, dad, are regulated so I, I know it's going to be okay so you know kids are a great example of this but boy this follows us up through adult life if you're lucky enough to be in a point of your life like i know we're just like won the lottery with this both of us jeff that you you have a, a partner uh wife husband partner you know who's got helps you regulate emotionally and kind of is really solid and steady just gives you that sort of base where you know you know that, hey, home life is great. It gives me that kind of base that I can go out and do my best in my work life. I can go be innovative. I can do exploring. So, you know, this regulated person, uh, again, whether it's in the business world, whether it's a parent, whether it's politics, uh, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's a therapist, uh, really we know that that emotion of that steadiness, that safety is contagious to people that might be in different states at that time. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. I really enjoyed this chapter and, and talking more about it. Um, you, you kind of gives you an opportunity to answer some of my questions if you don't mind, but yes. um, you know, I think everybody can, at least personally, everybody can understand, you know, when you're in a time of crisis or, or confusion or whatever, you know, most people kind of go back to that same person in their life where, when they need advice or when they need to quote unquote be grounded and uh, you know, that, that sort of, you know, speaks to everything you just talked about. I'd love to know more about the science behind that. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what, what's going on there? One that allows some people to be more regulated than others. And two, you know, what scientifically is happening that we search those folks out in, in the times we need them the most. 
Yeah, so so really, this this is my favorite chemical. Uh, so yes, you have reached a level of nerd status when you have a favorite chemical. Uh, and <laughs> this chemical, this hormone, oxytocin. Um, yeah. You know, so one. oxytocin is the bonding chemical. So when we're around people we trust, uh, that is the chemical is that that's released. Uh, you know, you watch, I watch you with your kids. You, you can see it, you're making eye contact. There's a synchronization. Your communication's going back and forth. Um, it's the chemical behind not only trust, but psychological safety as well. The other thing a release of oxytocin does is it calms down the amygdala, that central part of the brain that we talked about. So, you know, if I'm feeling anxious, which also can be in our mid-spine, that sympathetic fight or flight, overactivation of that area as well. And, you know, we build up enough of a relationship where, you know, Jeff, if, if I'm having a hard day and I'm stressed out about something, you just, you listen to me, right? You know, one, you're letting me verbalize my stress, which is very helpful. But really what it is, is like, you know, we, we've known each other for such a long time. We trust each other. So I know you're not going to judge me. I, I know you're not going to yell at me for, for, for maybe struggling today. You know, you might give me some legit feedback that I need to hear, but probably you're going to do that after listening to me, giving me support, and, and the feedback will be given in a kind way. You know, and so this oxytocin, when we're with people we love, people that we trust, um, and again, this could be a manager who we know sort of has our back, so to speak, and will be fair with us, uh, will treat us with dignity, has integrity. Um, you know, as we look at a, a teacher who, you know, I love to watch my wife in the classroom. It is, and it was astounding to watch her do this virtually as well. Her kids just adore her. Like, it just brings. Matt, I think everybody adores Sarah. So yeah. Like, kids, adults, it doesn't matter. But I mean, she's got these, like, you know, I got to tell the story about her, but uh, she, she won teacher of the year in her district one year, and it was like the surprise thing, and they stuck me in, and the, there was like a television camera crew there, and all the kids and t everybody in the school was in the gym to surprise her, and so she walks in and like, surprise, and, and I give her a hug. She's not expecting to see me. Her kids are all going crazy. She, she doesn't like this attention, which makes it more <laughs> fun for me to watch her be tortured. She's got to take pictures. She gets interviewed. She goes back to her classroom, and her kids are so dysregulated in a good way, right? They're just, they're proud. They're teaching one teacher of the year. It's, it's all really cool. But one of her kids has a family presentation to give, and this is a big deal for her kids. So she comes in the classroom, and, you know, the big friendly giant Matt is in there, which is my nickname in first grade classes. Uh, so I'm in the room. There's all these other parents in the room that came to help celebrate. She calms everybody down, brings the kid up, creates this stability, this silence, and everybody pays attention to this kid's presentation. It's like the most amazing thing, but because she's got that synchronization, she can quickly, though she was like, all like, everybody was all excited, she slows herself down and her class just gets all in sync with her like that. I mean, it's an amazing thing to watch happen. So again, when you think about those relationships, if you think about a mentor you've had or or that great teacher you have. Very few people say, man, I had this great teacher who just really had mastered the curriculum, right? Right, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like I think about Mrs. Vaughn, my, my favorite teacher in third grade. She just created an amazing, as a, a new kid going into that school, 
I think she would be one of my favorite teachers regardless, but she's created such a brilliant space for her to welcome me in, help me make friends, and give me just such an amazing first year in a new school. So, you know, this, this oxytocin helps us get in on that window of tolerance, helps calm our anxiety, and helps us really engage with other people, both socially, but also emotionally and intellectually as well. So, so this one little chemical that has everything to do about relationships um, can really have a, a lot of these amazing effects. And now uh, a lot of the research behind this is they're uh, uh, doing, I, I think it's nasal squirts of oxytocin, and all of a sudden it just changes the person's state. Uh, they're, they perform better on tests. Uh, uh, they're more emotionally regulated. They, they report being happier, uh, be more satisfied if they're in a business kind of situation. So uh, kind of wonder if we'll be misted with oxytocin. Yeah, it'll be the next CBD, right? Exactly. Trust yeah, me, I, I haven't been to a box store in a while because uh, people just deliver stuff to my doorstep and I always That's hate it. shopping. But boy, you get me high on oxytocin as I walk into a Target, maybe I would enjoy it a lot more. So uh, right. yeah, so it's this one chemical that has so many uh, different consequences. That's interesting because my first introduction to oxytocin was, was uh, through the childbirth process. As, yeah. we were, as we were going through that, obviously learning and all the prep work we did prior to our first being born, understanding the link of of that everything going on during labor as well yeah. as you know the the golden hour and everything else that happens post uh um, post birth and Absolutely. it makes sense well, you know yeah and if you think about this so oxytocin floods us at three times uh you know the only one you and i get jeff is after sex so the <laughs> orgasm floods us that's why we write you know, you know, put on a random song is probably going to be about love, right? So, so that's why we write poetry. We do all, you know, uh, you know, so one, it's after sex, childbirth, absolutely. And this for a non-breeder, I, I never could, as a, as a, uh, somebody who studied behavioralism, you know, never understood the second kid. Like, I've seen the video of birth. I'm like, wait a minute. I can, I can like. Especially for the female, right? I, yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah. I wasn't thinking about you, Jeff. Uh, sorry. No, I, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, wasn't, general, I wasn't worried about I, you like, during that process. Uh, first, like, oh, I'm sure it was a little traumatic for you, but I mean. Not this, quite the, the same. Like I could never explain, okay, that level of physical pain why would you do that ever again? Like, but mom stoned off oxytocin. And then if everything goes well, gets handed baby, baby breastfeeds. Now we know baby stoned off oxytocin, mom stoned off oxytocin. All of a sudden the memory of the pain gets overridden by this, hopefully what turns out to be a, you know, magical uh, experience uh, for, for a lot of folks. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing how set up we are from a, biological state as we talk about attachment between especially initially the mother and child is biologically that bond is created really in the early moments of life and then carried on through uh there was a time where we thought i don't know this is kind of when my my grandmother was raising my mother uh, when she was that you didn't want to breastfeed that that was bad and uh Isn't that crazy? i crazy I really, it's amazing, like, whoa, wow. This is where science can really help us to say, yeah, that was, that was unfortunate, uh, where, wherever that thought came from, because both from a, you know, immune system perspective, there's a lot of health benefits, but 
from a psychological perspective, it's just, it's so important. It's not that you can't, like you got adopted parents, you got uh, parents that might not work biologically for, for a range of reasons. Um, so it's, you know, you can still have a healthy family, raise a healthy child without it. But again, we're biologically preset to create that bonding experience that uh, really sets up for that, that healthy attachment. Nope. No, absolutely. And this is a whole nother uh, podcast that I'll get my wife on because she knows all about all about this stuff um, and, and is very passionate about it. But that's not what we're here to discuss exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about HIV oh, and all. Maybe she can come on and talk about uh, your trauma through the birthing experience. Oh no 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 no! I just misunderstood you. I, <laughs> luckily for me, there was well. I mean, our first one did end up. We went from a birth center to a hospital, so there's certainly more yeah. to that. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. everything was totally fine, and it was just cautiousness. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. again, another topic altogether. But <laughs> for our focus, um, you know, co-regulation, I think everybody understands, at least at a high level, um, you know, and, and, and sort of the science of oxytocin behind it, how that sort of drives it. It's great. So where does HRV fit into all of this? Um, okay, so, so yeah. So HRV, what we know, uh, a pretty simple to answer this question actually is, that if I'm around people I trust, I'm gonna have higher HRV. Oxytocin is gonna regulate my sympathetic fight or flight anxiety part of my nervous system, calm it down. My heart rate, again, all this is in peer reviewed journals, heart rate will be more regulated. Now, obviously, if we're going for a run or playing sports, that's gonna be different, but if we're just sitting around, and having a conversation. Or if you have four beers with your friend while you're I wasn't going to say that because we never do that, Jeff. Um, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. Never, excuse me. Yeah, never do that. But but we see this. So, you know, you you there's been a, some research done. Uh, a lot of times they'll use like nurse managers for this because, you know, nurses work different shifts and they have different managers. And, you know, you can actually see heart rate variability different throughout different shifts. And so, so yeah, so when we're around people, when we have that oxytocin relief, when we feel psychologically safe, uh, when I know you're going to respect me, you're going to treat me with uh, dignity, when you're not going to put me down, and, and when we've established uh, trust, you know, it regulates my nervous system and improves my, my heart rate variability. Uh, inverse is if I'm with people I don't trust, or I don't think my manager or my teammates, we don't get along, we're always fighting with each other, instead of oxytocin, there's kind of a yin-yang to this. So if the yin is oxytocin, the yang is dihydrotestosterone. And this really sets us up, our sympathetic system gets it active because I'm expecting you to treat me with disrespect. I'm expecting you, uh, you know, you see this in our politics all the time right now, I'm ready to fight you. So even sometimes maybe I don't need to fight you, but I'm so ready to fight you that, you know, even if I might mishear what you say, I might take it the wrong way. Um, again, all you got to do is look at our political environment at this time. You put a Democrat and Republican here in the United States in a room together, and you've got so many, you don't have oxytocin, you don't have cooperation, you don't have the biological foundation anymore in our country to do that. You've got this dihydrotestosterone flooding these systems, and let's fight. Um, or let's just get away from each other because we can't stand to be be in a room. So, and again, heart rate variability really measures this. The, the other piece of this, we, we mentioned this a few times, but again, it was so important to my, my like really grabbing on to heart rate variability was, you know, understanding also if 
you know, I need to help co-regulate someone. So like as a therapist or before a meeting, teams could do this um, in the business environment, take our HRV before a social engagement. Hey, if we know that our HRV is lower than normal as a group or as an individual, I might just want to connect to you about your stress, what's going on. I might want to be more co-regulating with you, uh, provide you support. I may not just want to jump into the agenda or the harder part of our conversation or intense therapeutic work. Uh, might want to do some mindfulness to regulate, but I also want to connect with you socially. I, I want you to experience me like this um, because I want to help you recover um, and give you that support. And again, we can watch HRV improve as I start to, you help me regulate my nervous system, calm my sympathetic with the oxytocin, and help build that up. So yeah, that, that's the real cool thing about this as well, is because oxytocin, because again, psychological safety, trust, activate the cognitive, emotional regulation pieces of our, our ventral vagal, as we've talked about a lot, is our, the social part of our autonomic nervous system. Um, that ventral vagal activation, as we talked about, puts that ventral vagal break on the sympathetic. So we see heart rate usually drop and heart rate variability go up. So again, trust, psychological safety, all these things have been kind of, you know, concepts, so to speak. But now we can really measure them and get scientific about them and say, hey, does, uh, I've been talking to some folks in, you know, that do uh, what's called trauma-informed architecture. Well, you know, we, we've had conversations, it'd be great to measure, you know, people moving into this new environment. How does that change their heart rate variability? Is this a more calming environment? Um, those sort of things. So you can start to ask questions about this and sort of see whether the, the interventions are, are really working. So uh, that, that, those outcomes are, are just as powerful for this co-regulation, trust, and safety as well. Well, that's kind of an interesting concept too, because, you know, a lot of the folks listening, um, you know, clinicians or therapists or whatever it might be, as they plan or implement these interventions this is a key component and it's not yeah. just what you're doing it's what is the relationship between the provider and their patient clients you'll fill in the blank and if the, if the relationship isn't solid doesn't matter what you do as an intervention it's probably yeah. not going to work and it, it doesn't i mean and there's plenty of science that re the relationship is the biggest predictor of outcomes in this and really you know and i i think it gets you know it's interesting because i was coming out of my psychology degree in 2000 and the business world was waking up to this a lot with the Gallup 12 study. If you're not familiar, Gallup, the polling company has done the largest management study in the history of the world. And they found these 12 questions that really predict employee engagement and uh, performance. And one of them was, do you have a best friend at work? Uh, has your boss given you positive feedback? I mean, they were basically all relational things like like i'm like hey this is this is my world so well, you think know about the teams you, you played on right i mean yeah. which ones played well together and which ones didn't regardless of talent the ones, the ones you like we liked each other the ones, the ones that, that, that got along that we weren't bickering all the time uh, you know and think about that from an organizational perspective when you're when you're in sync with your team your performance goes way up if you've ever been in conflict with the team so much of your energy goes to the conflict that quality, improvement, giving your best at work, it all goes, goes out the window. So, yeah, I mean, we are designed as human beings. We thrive 
I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. There may be some right. differentiation between those two. No matter who you are, you thrive in healthy relationships. Uh, so, yep. yeah, that's key. Whether Again, whether it's a sports team, uh, organization, a therapist, you know, as I like to say, if you're going to remember one thing about my talks about how do we help folks with trauma, it's the relationship, it's the relationship, it's the relationship. My whole leadership model, based on research, is we need to start by creating healthy relationships, trust in our organizations. We use the word psychological safety, uh, shared values. Uh, you know, Gallup 12 says, we need to care about our folks. You know, again, when, when, I, when I jumped right? into the NBA world, you know, I was like, you know, I would always raise my hand because I was kind of the class clown. Uh, everybody else was way older than I was and more professional. Uh, so I would, I would like ask my accounting professors like, hey, we learned in this Gallup 12 study that having a best friend at work really improves performance. What do you think about that? And their, their heads would just explode. Um, but it was a whole different way challenge oh, our traditional business model is, you know, you pay somebody enough or you punish them enough if they don't do what you said and you will get good results. And, you know, there, there's some truth if you pay people, give them a bonus. Yeah, that'll that'll nudge up performance, but give them a workplace where they feel engaged, where they feel fulfilled, where they feel like, you know, they're a part of a great team. Uh, many studies have shown that that's much more impactful than uh, a pay raise uh, for motivation. So yeah, yeah it's really it's, fascinating. It's, you feel like you're part of it. You, you, you really want it to succeed. If you feel like it's going to go on regardless of what you do. Yes. Motivation, which, which actually brings me to kind of the next topic on the agenda. You know, there's a couple things that I would love to get your thoughts on from a co-regulation standpoint, and that's hope, motivation, yeah. and leadership. You know, yeah. how, do, how do they all kind of intertwine with the concept of co-regulation? Yeah, so, so let's break these down. One, one, let's take hope first. Now, so when we talk about hope, um, really, what is hope? Uh, very simply, tomorrow can be better than yesterday. Next week can be better than the last week. Two weeks, the next month will be better than the previous months. In other words, that, that there's something in the future to kind of pull me towards, which is where that overlaps with motivation. So, for example, Jeff, we've kind of mirrored this on the podcast. We both had hope that the Nuggets might win the NBA <laughs> championship. Granted, I know the rest of the world probably thought we were a little bit nuts, but, you, you know, hey, we had hope. Now, you know, me just thinking, oh, the Nuggets are playing tonight, that's kind of exciting, and I'm going to tune in and watch it. But, you know, you and I having these conversations on and offline and getting both excited about the Nuggets potentially making it to the NBA Finals, right, it escalated that sense of excitement for me. So whether we're in the business world and we're thinking about, you know, maybe uh, I, I love the Jim uh, Collins term, the big, hairy, audacious goal or our vision statement or or what we want to achieve, what's pulling us into the future, what are our, our collective goals. Uh, whether it's someone who might be experiencing homelessness, thinking about maybe getting into substance abuse treatment and a housing program to, to make, make their lives better. Uh, you know, wh whatever the, the hope might be, the interesting thing about hope is it's a lot like the placebo effect. Um, placebo effect for most of our audience would know is doctor gives you a sugar pill, it, they tell you it's a medication, it turns, you know, and you think it's going to make you feel better, and you feel better. And in fact, you could make a really strong argument the sugar pill is the most effective medical treatment we have ever found across most diseases. Uh, obviously, cancer, HIV, there's a few exceptions, but 
you know, my, my favorite study, and I've read a couple books on placebo effects. That's how interested I am on it. But they used to like, yeah, you, you're, you're probably old enough, Jeff, to remember when knee surgeries could end somebody's career like that. Uh, mm -hmm. I know when I was playing basketball, a torn ACL meant you were pretty much done. Now you're back on the floor in six weeks. Um, <laughs> but they did these, uh, they, they did these knee surgeries. One, they actually did the knee surgery. The other, they just cut the person's knee and didn't do the knee surgery. The people that had the cut, their mid and short, mid and long-term outcomes were actually better. Like explain that, right? You know, maybe that's just how bad surgery was back in the day. This is now unethical <laughs> to do this to somebody. But so when we think about a better future, so with, with the placebo pill, right, we're thinking our symptoms are going to get better. When I think about Nuggets winning the championship, our team at work accomplishing a big goal, um, you know, uh, me getting, addressing my substance use and living, living the life I see on the other side of that, it, it releases this, the, another great chemical called dopamine. And that's, that's the feel good kind of chemical. I, I always use the example of, you know, this year's a little hard for me because I'm not sure with the whole COVID and what it's done to my business if I can afford the ski pass this year, maybe a four pass, something like that. I got to get up at least once or twice. But every year I, I have this like existential crisis is do I buy the ski pass this year? And, uh, you know, every year I vision myself up on that mountain, uh, especially and you, you, your family lives around the area. So Crested Butte on, on the top of International, which is just this amazing black run, really steep down Crested Butte, which is just a beautiful mountain to snowboard or ski on. And I get all excited. I always click buy, right? I don't want to spend the money, but I just picture myself and the dopamine gets me to click it. So things that bring us joy will often repeat because of that dopamine release. So when I start to think about something that excites me about the future, that pulls me, we call about this, the pull motivation in the future, I release dopamine, which creates that motivation. Now, here's the real cool part about this is if I'm talking to you about that future, maybe, maybe you know, you, you hear, oh, Matt's too poor this year, buy a ski pass, whatever, and you start talking to me about how we both love the international run and some of the other runs in Crested Butte that we both really love, and maybe you throw, oh, you could go into the trees and all the powder. I love the trees at Crested Butte. You know, maybe because we have this trusting relationship, when I'm with you, I've already got the oxytocin release, what that does is it makes the dopamine receptors on our neurons more receptive and more sensitive. So what we see is I can think about the Nuggets win the championship in isolation. It gives me, it gets me excited. When you and I start to, to go back and forth on it, that's where I get the goosebumps. Um, so what we know is if you're in a team that trusts each other, you've got the dopamine going, you've got the oxytocin going, it multiplies the effects of each other uh, versus just seeing in isolation. Again, hope can be powerful in isolation, but that relationship, that oxytocin release uh, makes hope stronger and makes motivation greater uh, to, to moving forward. So now you take all this from a leadership perspective, right? So a lot of times leaders, and I watch this over and over again, we're, we're going to bring in a fancy consultant, spend tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, create a strategic plan, marketing plan, while the dynamics of our team are a total train wreck. You're yep. wasting your money. Not that I'm against any of that. In fact, I think you should do that. Those business processes are good, 
but it's like building a house on sand if you don't have the good relational dynamics. Um, if you've got conflict, not, not arguments, like arguments within teams, actually healthy teams will argue a lot. Um, but there, it's a constructive conflict where everybody's working towards yeah. a goal and working through because we've got the oxytocin. I can totally disagree with what you think about our strategy for should be for this XYZ thing. But, but we know we're arguing back and forth or really, you know, talking back and forth and making our points to get to that shared vision of the future. And so with leaders, and this is backed up again, Gallup 12, I think really broke the, the doors down about this, but there's a lot of business research to, to back this up now, now many years later after those first uh, studies were being published to say, if you've got an emotionally regulated workforce, in other words, we could say, if you've got a workforce with a high HRV, that come in are above population norms, let's just bring stuff in from past trainings, that you have, that means they're emotionally regulated. They're probably feeling safe and have trusting relationships at work because there's not that dihydrotestosterone to lower the HRV. Now my strategic plan, because I've got that prefrontal cortex engaged, I've got the amygdala, probably not worried, but excited, still maybe a little nervous, we'll call this U-stress, to, to push us and motivate us towards this goal, that's when great things happen. Uh, show, show me a team that won a championship, and there, there are the exceptions to the rules, but, but show me a team that won a championship uh, that didn't get along with each other. Again, there's going to be conflict there, but right. you talk to some of these, I mean, if you watch the Jordan documentary, or not the Jordan documentary, it was, it was the Jordan documentary. <laughs> the Last Dance. The Last Dance. You know, I was like, man, Jordan was sometimes just an a-hole to people, but but everybody was, there was bought a tremendous in. around him, disrespect. Exactly, yeah, and you, you hear that... Pippen talking about him, him talking about Pippen, and they love each other. Now, now yeah, it was interesting, always... right? Because especially yeah. Scottie Pippen was, and I always like him, but he made me a better player, and yeah. for that, I'll always be grateful. You know, and, right, and right. That's and the you, ultimate you... respect, right? Yeah. Those people that would go against him in practice that he would just destroy, he gained respect from them if they got back up and did it. I mean, even like Steve Kerr, like he was destroying Steve Kerr, and Steve Kerr got in his face. And for Jordan and his weird head, that that built the trust, right? Yeah, now now, now he, I know he, we're so, – so even though the dynamics of that might not be what you wanted in the workplace, but, but it's everybody was bought in. And even though it kills me because I have never been a fan of his teams – Phil Jackson did an amazing job of creating that environment. So even with a Dennis Rodman and a Michael Jordan on the same team, he was able to create an environment that's, hey, we're all bought into this. The hope of winning a championship elicits an extreme amount of motivation. And at the core, I'm going to set up different things throughout the year, whether it's giving people books, whether it's, you know, we were supposed to practice, but we're going to go have fun today and, you know, you know, a lot of if you were on Jordan's team, you were gambling on the plane, but you were engaging with each other always with those relationships is overcoming hardship after hardship after hardship. And even Dennis Rodman could not destroy the team dynamics uh, no. that he was able to create. So, again, it's hard for me to give some of these people props because uh, they always beat the teams that I was rooting for. But uh, <laughs> Le- LeBron's another – where it's due. Yeah, LeBron's another good example of this. I mean, he doesn't have the championships, uh, but, you know, you know, he's got that passion to drive people. He brings along people with him. 
I think your Golden State's a fascinating one for me because people want to go play there. I, I think not just because, yeah, it might be a, a championship possibility, but they, they meet the guys the there. Court. And, yeah, they, they I want to play. I, I watched them play and Steph Curry and those guys, you know, what what fun would that be? And I think they communicate that and bring people into that vision uh, for them. So, you know, a lot of times we'll pass by the relational piece of things, uh, but we do so at our detriment. Again, no matter if you're an athletic team, a therapist, a manager, a physician, a, you know, whatever you are, if we build that trust, we build the psychological safety, we get the oxytocin, throw a little dopamine in, Again, we've got the heart rate variability that gives us the capacity to meet our intellectual, uh, physical uh, potential, uh, depending on the example. Yep. Yep. No, I, I, I think all of this is so fascinating. And, and each one of these things can be a, an episode in and of itself. You, you know, when you talk about performance, when you talk about your therapeutic yes. use cases, when you talk about you know, recovery, all of those kinds of things. Um, each one of them has its own example of, of where this can all come into play. But I, I think for folks who haven't had a chance to read the book yet, uh, you know, I think this is a really good overview of why, why relationships in your life are so important, why co-regulation is so important, how you can utilize something like optimal HRV to help monitor where you're at and your capability to yeah. engage in those types of meaningful relationships and track whether or not you have them. Um, yeah. I think it's all very fascinating. So yeah, I, I, and, and as a measure of social health, here's where it's the, you know, is you get, and again, we, we set this up, whether it's your caseload as a social worker, therapist, physician, whether it's, you know, your team's health as a manager, you know, again, over and over in the book, your, your mental, social, cognitive, physical health, that's what HRV measures. And so, it gives you, okay, we're going to try this to build team dynamics. HRV should improve if it's working. Um, we had a, a disruptive thing at work. Um, HRV should probably demonstrate if it was disruptive and stressful enough, probably knock people out of homeostasis pretty much. Again, bringing back some of those words from previous trainings. Um, so how do we support that team to get them back up to baseline? So yeah, we, you know, we can quantify this now in a way that's just, again, it takes all these things that are in peer-reviewed journals and say, I can make this a practical tool today. And that's to me where it's, uh, it's such an exciting uh, intervention uh, to bring into a range of environments. Yep, makes sense. Well, good stuff, Matt. Appreciate it as always. It's a pleasure. Um, one thing I wanted to mention before we sign off today is we recently, uh, through the podcast or, or some of the other things that we're doing, um, have had a number of folks reach out that are involved in different types of studies or, or projects where they think HRV can be applied and, and sort of help them with the outcome that they're focused on with their studies. So if any of the listeners are engaged in any of those and think what we're doing at Optimal might be a benefit to, to the studies they're performing or, or anything like that, please reach out, support at Optimal HRV. Um, you know, we'd love to talk about what you're doing, see if there's any way we can support it and help you quantify some of the, the you know, impactful work that you're providing to the community. So don't, don't be shy, I guess. Is, uh, yeah. uh, it's been fun to talk to some folks and see how we can help them and, and hopefully those conversations continue.
Keep it coming. We want to be that's part it. of your research study. So yeah, we yeah. want to help. We want everybody help everybody be successful, you know, and, and that's, that's what this can do for them. So absolutely. All right, Matt, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon on the next episode. You'll, you'll surprise me with, with, uh, with what fun we have in store at that point. I, I don't think it'll be next week, but I, I've got, I've got a surprise. I'm going to bring out, uh, everything I do in the course of the day to improve my HRV. So I, I think it's oh two boy. episodes that, I was going to say, is that, do we have time? I, 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 I I've got, I've got props. It's going to be our can, Gallagher uh, show. So. Good. Can, I was gonna say, can you, can you actually act them out? Because you told me about them. I want to, I want to see them. I think I'm going to have more fun coat, than uh, Watch us on YouTube for that one. So again, I, I think we got a little bit to cover before that one, but uh I have been putting the pieces together and thinking about all the props I'm going to bring. I think it'll be uh, the episode after next. But next episode, we'll talk about things that increase your HRV that might not be just within your normal routine now. And then uh, I'm going to take a whole episode to stretch out and uh, show all my craziness uh, to uh, all our listeners. So uh, definitely join us next one, but you really want to join us too from now. So That's it. Yep. All right, Matt, we'll appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for joining in. Um, we look forward to uh, the next episode. See you next week. All right, take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you're interested in more information about HRV, please visit us at OptimalHRV.com. Also, if you visit OptimalHRV.com, you'll be able to sign up for our email list and download our free ebook, Healing with HRV. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next episode.